0: Hey, if you're new to Sunridge, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and you came on Vision Sunday, which you're either going to be excited or not excited about that. This is a, this one, uh, one Sunday a year where we talk about who Sunridge is and why we're that way and, and where we're headed. Um, on Vision Sunday, we talk about our vision. And I know that um, not everybody gets all pumped up about vision and mission. I, I was like, oh, geez, you know, it's not, not for everybody. I get it. But um, I'm going to do the best I can. And thinking about that, like having empathy for those of you that vision and mission talks aren't like your favorite cup of tea, um, I, w- I wanted to like think up some vision statements that are ridiculous. And, uh, m- but, but maybe you've run into these, even though that the business you've been to or the organizations you've been a part of, they wouldn't actually write some of these. But it seems like they're living according to that vision or that that's uh, what they're aiming for. So uh, I got some of these off the Internet, but I thought up some all on my own. So that makes them even better. I won't tell you which ones. But first of all, I want to give you a few from the business world, ridiculous vision statements. First, our mission is to open up new markets that have not heard about our reputation for failure yet. That's a good one, right? Next one, uh, we put the W in quality. And uh, last, from the business world, we believe in whatever social causes will help us generate new revenue. How about that one? You might have run into that. Okay. How about from the food industry? We mix dangerous chemicals along with the parts of animals no one else wants, salt it heavily, and then deep fry it in order to give you food really fast. We provide plenty of ketchup and kids' toys to make up for how it tastes. Uh, and then another one from the food industry. We make awful-tasting food products out of kale and tell you how good it is for you. We hope our packaging will make up for the fact that it tastes like something cattle should be eating. Amen. Yeah, sorry, all you kale people. How about from the church world? Let's pick on ourselves, okay? Here's, here's one. Um, our church doesn't stink. We're hoping yours does, and we intend to steal your members on that basis. <laughs> That's not us. That's not our vision statement, by the way. Okay, how about this one? Come to our church, because we have more stuff for you. That one you might have experienced, you know. And then what, is, what could be our future vision statement, and my favorite, our pastor surfs. Well, kind of. Occasionally, it looks like surfing. So anyway, there they are, vision statements. Yeah, thank you. I queued you up for that. You know, the thing about a mission statement, a vision statement, whether it's an organization or whatever, or a church, it it focuses your energy. It can be like a compass that that points you to the direction uh, that you're headed toward a particular destination, and our destination is uh, the mission that we think that God has given us. Here is our mission statement, that we are helping people find and follow Jesus, we're helping people find and follow Jesus. That's, that's how we measure our success. Um, and we believe in both parts of that. We believe in helping people find Jesus. There are people, I'm sure, in this service today that they came to church out of desperation or maybe you invited them and they're looking for something different in their life. And we want to be the kind of church that can communicate to them and, and be a place where they can explore faith in a safe way. Um, but we also believe in helping people follow Jesus. And so we're not, uh, we think that once a person crosses the line of faith, that we want to we wanna grow you up. And we don't want you to stay just as a baby Christian. And some of what we talk about today is tied to that. Um, what's our vision statement? That's our mission. Pay attention to the shirt, our vision statement. What's our vision statement? Deep in faith. Deep in faith, bring hope, live life. How did you guys know that? You didn't get your T-shirt there on sale in the hallway. But, um, you know, if, you, if you're kind of new to Sunridge and you wonder, like, how did, how did the church land on that particular vision, you can go back in our message archives to a series we called Resilient, and that will explain uh, how, how we did that. What I love about both our mission statement And our vision statement is they both come from Scripture. In fact, you could say that we plagiarize them directly from it. Uh, Our mission comes directly from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus said, Go into the world and make disciples and teach them, helping people find and follow Jesus. And our vision statement comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where Paul said, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So, if vision statements channel your energy, and they focus the things, your forward progress towards your final destination, we have a church vision, but what is your vision? I know that not everybody writes their vision statements down or their mission, but you have one. You have something that is guiding you to engage in the things that you think are going to make you happy or give you purpose in life, and then you have things that you want to avoid, distractions or even detours. What, What is it that channels your focus? That would be your vision, even if it's not written down. And the reason why I ask you what your personal vision is, is that the vision of Sunridge Community Church and God's plan for your life are inextricably linked. The vision of Sunridge and God's calling on your life are connected. We don't live in two separate worlds. Every message I try to have kind of a big idea, I don't always say them, but it's like one thought that I'm trying to work through. And here's the big idea for today. God's plan for your life and the vision of Sunridge are linked. If, this is not for you if Sunridge is not your home or you're just exploring, you know, you're trying to find a church, but if Sunridge is your home, if this is where your family worships together, this is where you benefit from um, being part of this community of faith, if this is where you've kind of rolled up your sleeves and been a part of what God is doing here, then this vision is your vision. Because what good is it if an organization has a vision, but the people don't embrace it? So deep in faith, bring hope, live love has to be more than a t-shirt. Our mission and vision statements are taken directly from Scripture, which were not written to organizations. They were written to people. People in different regions, in different situations, but written to people. I want to steal a little tagline from Gator line, Gatorade in this with you. It's like, when it comes to the vision of Sunridge, is it in you? Is it in you? I'm going to tell you in the next few minutes why it should be and, and how you can better embrace the vision of deepening faith, bringing hope, and living love in your life. Let's look at the three different statements that are part of that vision. First of all, and I'm going to personalize them here, God has called you to an ever-deepening faith. I know that Sunday's vision is to deepen faith, but I want you to see that God has called you to an ever-deepening faith. You know, the Bible talks about saving faith. Romans 5.1 says that we're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. And isn't it a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a Christian, to have been justified by faith? That is good news. The good news of the gospel, or the good news of Jesus Christ, is that our relationship with God isn't based upon how good I've been this week, or how well I've performed. It's based entirely on the fact that I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. The reason that's good news is, it doesn't matter how far from God you feel, if you pray a simple prayer of faith, and genuinely place your faith in Christ, God hears that prayer. And it's also good news to those of you that just, you know, maybe you don't, you've never felt far from God. You think you're a pretty good person. And I can assure you that, the, that you're not that good compared to God. And you still need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so whether you're a good person or a not-so-good person, or maybe you're way over here on one side or the other, it's like, the good news is it's Jesus Christ that saves us. That's saving faith. But the goal of faith in Christ isn't just like to check a box to say, "Oh, I got it. I got my ticket. I'm good with God, so now I'll just go live my life the way I want to live today." Faith is not meant to be static. It's it's supposed to continue to grow. Paul put it this way in Colossians 2-7 that we're to be rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. And the picture there is of a tree that has these roots that go deep. So that if drought comes or wind blows, that tree remains standing because it has a strong faith, a deep faith. And we're dedicated as a church here to deepen faith among adults, students, and children. Here's some things we believe about how faith deepens. First of all, a church has to provide an environment of spiritual growth. That's on us. That's uh, why we teach the Bible here on Sunday. We, we don't make points without pointing to a corresponding scripture or story or principle. The, the Bible is central to what we talk about here because our faith is rooted in that, and growth comes from that. And beyond what we do here on Sunday morning, we have a variety of Bible studies and groups and places that you engage, because we know that in a room of probably 500 people in this service, we we can't get every one of you right where you are. So we offer other options that are more toward the beginner side and more toward the the deeper side, because we want you to continue to grow from wherever you're starting from. We, we started this year what we call Core Curriculum, which is our rooted, our 10-week small group called Rooted. Fun, yeah, yeah, woo! Uh, uh, Financial Peace University, also known as FPU, which is a, a, a class on how to align your finances biblically and to be wise with your money. And then we have Lasting Promise, which is for everybody who... Is married or is thinking about getting married? We have, that's our core curriculum because we think that we'll, you'll get a solid foundation and from there you're on the elective plan. We hope this year to, um, to add a parenting course. So we feel like we're covering all of our bases and strengthening people and giving them a good start. And we took a huge step this year to making it more accessible, deepening faith accessible by. Adding Thursdays at Sunridge. Many of you are here. Our, our hallways are alive on Thursday night. We have nine different things going on here. It's fantastic. That's on us. We also believe that faith deepens. We grow best when we grow with others. And we've talked about this in the past where, um, you know, a tree uh, in a forest, they, their roots are intertwined. And that's part of what strengthens them and, and allows them to withstand some of the changes that happen and the challenges that come to a tree. And what scientists have learned is that those roots aren't just intertwined, making them stronger. They're also sharing resources. So uh, we believe that spiritual growth takes, be- takes place best when we're more tied in with one another. So other than this big TED Talk on Sunday morning where we're all sitting in rows and looking at one person Babylon. Everything else we do here is about circling you up and continuing the growth, but also continuing to grow together because you can't do it alone. And then lastly, what we believe about deepening faith is your spiritual growth is based on your choices. See, a church can't make you grow. We can provide an environment of growth, but it, it takes, it's up to you to make take a step toward growing and accessing what is there. And if it's not, there, either leading something that isn't there or, or helping us start something or calling it to our attention. But it's up to you. You know, I've heard people over the years, I've been in the church biz for many, many years, and people will say, you know, well, I'm just not growing at my church or I'm not growing at this church. And that may very well be true. But one thing that every person should consider who says that or feels it is, is that because of you? Are, are you actually taking the steps and taking personal responsibility for your growth? Are Not just in information, but are you engaging in, in the experiences and rolling up your sleeves and growing by serving alongside other people? This is all part of the growth experience. In the end, it's going to be up to you. And to me, it's such a shame when churches stop growing and when Christians stop growing because this is wasted potential. If your vision of being a Christian is like I have my eternal security and now it's just like la da until one day I go to be with Jesus, you're missing out on so much. And I think that there are far too many Christians today who are settling for far too little when it comes to to their faith. And it makes a huge difference in how people live their lives. Deep faith, people that go through challenges who have a deep faith, far different uh, experience than those who don't have faith or don't have a deep faith. You know, this year I've, I've walked um, through life with people that have lost loved ones after being married for many, many, many years, um, people who have gotten horrific prognosis from their doctor, people that things happened to them they, they never thought would happen. Just yesterday, I was on the phone with one of our members who her husband was body surfing and he, he broke his neck. C7. And you know, in those when i when i go through that with people there's a big difference in how they go through it if they have deep faith and beyond even like just being you know ready for the bad stuff that happens someone who has a deep faith lives their life entirely different they live with a sense of purpose in seeing the opportunities that god brings to them and in most cases they live with a with kind of a positive attitude of what, what is God going to do today? So today, I, I want to just ask you, like, drive a stake down this year to deepen your faith. There, on every seat there was one of these cards. If someone stole yours because they just wanted to fill out two, I'm sorry, but look around for a blank one. And you don't have to fill this out today. I want you to make this a matter of prayer, but, you know, there's just a list of things that we have offered here um, for you to deepen your faith, take a step. You know, our core curriculum, we've, been, we've just been saying, you know, anyone who's at Sunridge, if you're new to Sunridge in the first two years, go to Rooted, go to Lasting Promise, if you're uh, married or thinking about it, and take FPU, if you haven't taken a course similar to that. Because we want your faith to deepen. If, m- maybe that's not the option for you right now, but you can just tell us, we'd love to know how you're growing in your faith, but Make a determination here. At our kind of like start of our year in October for us, our fiscal year starts then. Drive a stake down to deepen your faith. Secondly, when we talk about bringing hope, I want to say that God has called you, you to bring the hope of the gospel to a broken world. It's not just the vision of sunridge. He's calling you because you're a Christian. I wonder how many of you think that there's just an overabundance of hope in the world right now? Yeah, me neither. You know, this statement isn't rid- original with me, but somebody once said the church is the hope of the world, and I know, like the super saints right now are going, "Oh no, it's not. It's Jesus." Okay, but we are the body of Christ. We are the touchable seeable version, ambassadors of Jesus Christ today, together and as individuals. What does that mean for you and me? Well, it means that that the hope of the gospel is meant to shine through us. Paul writes that faith and love spring from the hope of the gospel that's in us. And we've been talking about this as we've gone through Philippians, which we'll be back to next week, by the way, um, about how to enjoy life. But that, you know, Christ indwells us. We are Christ incarnate in a way. Jesus indwelt a body that we knew as the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But also His Spirit indwells us when we become a Christian. And so we're filled with the gospel. And Paul, uh, uh, Jesus talked about how um, the gospel is like a seed that just keeps growing like, a, like a, a plant. Or it's like yeast that starts in us and it just permeates all of us. And the gospel just, if you allow it, it keeps filling you up to, to the point in which you can't keep it in anymore. The hope comes out. No matter how bad you want to store it away and not let it out, the hope will just blast out of you eventually. You know, uh, have I ever mentioned to you guys that I used to be a firefighter? Well, if I haven't, I'm, I used to be a firefighter. And one of the common killers of firefighters has been what is called a BLEVY. It's an acronym. A boiling Liquid Expanding Vapor Explosion. So you didn't think that I knew some big stuff. <laughs> but all that means is if you take what is normally a cryogenic liquid and you contain it in a container like a propane tank, that it's under pressure in there, and that's why when you open it, it shoots out, it vaporizes. You put that under heat, and it will vaporize more quickly. And if you don't let some of it out, it'll blow up. And, and different kinds of containers have blown up on firefighters and killed scores of them at once. So we train to, to recognize those situations. This is why these tanks have um, relief valves on them. But you know what I've noticed is Christians don't come with a relief valve. And inside you, you have the gospel, and it's growing, and it's vaporizing. And I'm thinking that if some Christians don't start to let some hope out, one day you're going to see on the news, person blew up on the street. What was it? They were full of the gospel, and they wouldn't let it out. And it just blew up everywhere. And Every, it was weird. Everyone started, that was around him started going to church. It was so weird. Don't blow up. Here's some things we believe about the hope that's in us. First of all, the ho- hope is found in the gospel, but it often um, includes more than the gospel. There are, there are ways of demonstrating the gospel besides just telling it. And we're a church that believes in that. Jesus said that life is more than food, which is one way of saying that the gospel is preeminent. But he also said, give those people something to eat. And many times, we share the gospel while making someone a sandwich or bringing them clean water or inviting them into our circle or walking across the street And saying hello. These are ways that we let the hope of the gospel be seen by others. You know, there's a conversation, you guys don't read all this nerdy uh, church stuff, but um, there's a big group of um, evangelicals. If I said some of their names, you would know their names. And their big beef with what's going on in the church today is that they don't think that the church should be involved in any of the justice issues today, not feeding the poor. Not, uh, not race issues. I just think we should just give the gospel. <clears throat> and they're all way smarter than me, but I would just want to say to them, have you read the gospels? Because everywhere Jesus went, he made the world better in practical ways. He fed people. He healed them. He talked to them. He invited them to walk with him, to be a part of his circle. And he didn't care what they were like. The gospel... Bringing the gospel places includes a lot more than just saying words. Uh, Also, along with that, you know, we believe that the gospel is portable. And because it's portable, it's transferable. What What I mean by that is you can take the hope of the gospel anywhere you want. It isn't just bound by these four walls. We take it with us. We are carriers of the gospel. So, let's be hope bringers. That's why we say bring hope. You know, you can't give people faith, but you can give them hope. People can live off of your hope until there's sparks. Let's be hope bringers. Another thing we believe about hope, is that it's not just something you do, it's a way you do it. So, if you're exploring church, or maybe, maybe you've been at church a long time, here a long time, and you didn't know this about us, it's like, we want to bring hope to the world, not condemn the world. And the reason that is, is because, you know, I have never met a Christian that was, that was condemned into the gospel. And I've met very few that were argued into the gospel. Even though I want to know my, I want to know things. I want to know, have substance and substantive reasons for my faith. But we bring the hope of the gospel. Lastly, living love, personalizing it. God has called you to a life that reflects God's love. He's called you to do that. You know, in in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And which one is the greatest? Love. You know, that word greatest means the loudest, the biggest, the most important. So by that, what, what I deduce, and I'm not that smart, but what I can figure out is the main thing that people should, should see in me is the love of Jesus Christ. When, when they hold my funeral, I hope someone talks about he loved, on occasion, people. He loved people. He, lo- he loved people like Jesus does. You know, that's kind of like the defining moment in a person's life. What people say about it. I've done a lot of memorials. And, you know, some of them are really hard to do because you're trying to say something nice about someone, and it's a struggle with some people. So if if you're going to be at Sunridge a while and you think you want me to do your memorial, help me out. Do some loving things (laughs) between now and then. Get on the program so that I can make it easy on me, right? (laughs) <laughs> uh, Paul writes this in Ephesians 5, 2: Live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Can you be any more direct than what life is about than that? You know, there's the golden rule, right? Love others like you love yourself. This is the platinum rule: love as Christ loved you. That's the real standard. And guys. Men, I'm talking to you. Don't check out on me when I start talking about love, okay? I know somebody's like, oh, love, okay. Come back when you have a war story, a fire story. Talk about blevies, but don't talk about love. You know the most manly thing you can do is love. Think about Jesus Christ. Was he a wimp? Would you wanna, Was that an easy life that Jesus lived? Was it, was it an easy death? Jesus Christ was every bit a man. And yet he's the defining picture of what a loving man looks like. What about the Apostle Paul who, who's given us even more words about love than Jesus did? Was he a wimp? You're talking about a guy who got, he went to school at the best schools highly educated, lived the rigorous life of a Pharisee, and then said, you know what? I'm going to change my career. And I'm going to do this Christian thing. And in doing it, it's like I'm going to give up all that. I'm going to totally start over. And I'm going to travel the world adventurously. And I'm going to start churches. And I'm going to tangle with people that are really smart and philosophers and and government officials. And I'm going to defend the faith. Does that sound like a wimpy life? But he loved. We have a guy in our church. Um, his name is Stephen. I won't tell you his last name. But he's a big, strong man that, with a Scottish accent. I don't know if you've met him in the hallway. <laughs> so he talks funny. You say, hey, Stephen. No, 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 no. Sometimes his wife will interpret for me. (laughs) But he's a big, strapping man. And he called me a few weeks ago, and his question, you know, like sometimes, hey, can you give me a call? You know, I want to talk to you about something. Those usually aren't good. And um, so I called him, and what he was struggling with was last year he joined this mentorship program at an elementary school here in Temecula we call Kids Hope, And he was spending one hour a week sitting down with a kid, like talking to him about his life, and helping him. And then that school closed; they're redeveloping it. And uh, he was like struggling with how do I, how do I reconnect with this kid, even though the program isn't there. It's like that's the thing that he's working through. Guys, we—that's that's love right there. We can love too. Paul writes in Romans 10:15, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news?" We think about, living out the gospel and bringing hope to people, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Just like to look at your neighbor right now and say, "You have beautiful feet." Go ahead, do it. I know some of you lied. But that's OK. you're in church. It's OK to lie in church. Good absolution. <laughs> so, your feet are beautiful if, they, if they're feet that are taking you to places where you can share the good news. We bring hope and we live love. In fact, let me put it another way. I'm going to put this statement up on the screen. You are perfectly positioned to impact someone with the gospel. See, the... There's a big vision for Sunridge, right? But I want you to know that you are perfectly positioned to impact someone with the gospel that Sunridge will will not reach, (coughs) your staffer won't reach, your elders won't reach, maybe even someone in your family can't reach. It's only you. And if you allow your faith to grow deep and out of that springs a desire to look for opportunities to bring hope and if you reflect the love of Christ you will bring the gospel to the people around you that nobody else can reach there's another opportunity to drive a stake down in your life and when it comes to bringing hope and living love and it's on the other side of this card and again it's like I don't need to explain it to you but On the serve side, like, roll up your sleeves here and find a place that fits in your schedule and your season of life and find a way to bring hope and live love together here on this campus when we meet. You know, there's a couple of ministries here that are just highlighted, but um, one that isn't on there is ushers. It must be really hard to ush Because we're just always short on ushers. So I'm just telling you, this is a shameless plug. We need ushers. If you can, like, go, like, hi. (laughs) Oh, you need a seat? There's one over there. You could ush. Ushing is not that hard. So if you're waiting for, like, the 30-year depth of a Christian, where you know a 1,000 Bible verses and have all your Reformed theology lined out, before you become an usher, you're really missing out. We'll take anybody. You got a warm body, you can breathe, you can point and do this. You can be an usher. And it's you're right in church anyway. How many of you could be ushing right now and instead you're just sitting? Think about it. All I'm saying is like find a place. You know, you guys are bringing hope and living love because this church just continues to grow. We're not trying to grow. Growth isn't our, our goal, but we are trying to reach people. And you guys have been doing that. You know that Sunridge in the last few years has grown almost 30%, a third more people. And you can see we got a problem in our second service. That's because you're, you're, you're doing that. Because you are sharing your faith with people and you're inviting people to come and worship alongside you. And then, you know, the other side's a little more uncomfortable, right? Can we just like... I'm going to talk about it, so buckle up. You know, if Sunridge is your home, God has given you everything you need to bring hope and live love. And one of the ways that you do that is through your generosity to your church. And if if, if you're not giving at all, I, you should consider. I want you to really prayerfully consider. Maybe you should start. Don't, don't start with 10%. Start with 1%. Start with a number, but be consistent with that and be a part of what God is doing here through the ministry of Sunridge Community Church It's the way to expand what is happening here. And we are so committed to making sure that we use those dollars wisely and strategically. You know that in the last few years, the Sunridge budget has increased 42%. Not, not our budget, like, like, not just like we put a number down. Your giving has increased that much. That is remarkable. You guys should applaud for yourselves right now. And I want to thank you, because I know that there are many of you make tremendous sacrifices to be a part of what God is doing here in the giving of your resources. Um, I want to encourage you to be consistent and. Uh, that's one of the things we've worked on this year, and we saw our consistency go way up. In fact, um, we, we have more people giving more money and more consistently than in many, many years here. That is just remarkable. Keep it up. By the way, um, we are going to finish our hallway project this year. Some of you have asked about that. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know we've been hovering at 100,000 dollars to redo our hallway, and um, our goal best estimation was the project was going to cost us about 130. We've actually been working on drawing that down and, and changing some things to enable us to do that, But at the same time, somebody gave us a check a few weeks ago for 40,000 dollars. Yeah. It wasn't me. Like that just blows me away. And it's, it's not just that number. I know that for some of you, uh, given 10 bucks a week or 10 bucks a month, is a huge sacrifice for you. Step in. This is a great church that God is using. Be, be a part of every facet of what we're doing. And, and I just ask you to prayerfully consider some of the things that are on this card, and, and you don't have to turn it in today. But drop it in one of these give boxes. We, they'll be available on other weeks too. And then what, after you fill yours out, take a picture of it with your phone. Because we're not going to send it back to you. We're not, we're, you know, not going to go back and say, Hey, Bob, uh, he's not keeping up with his program here. <laughs> this, is, is, this is for you. To make a commitment. And I want to close with a story from the Old Testament. In 2 uh, Kings chapter 6 and 7, uh, there's a city called Samaria, and it's being besieged by this large and powerful army uh, called the Aramaeans. And the city of Samaria is very well fortified, so the Aramaeans knew it would be suicide to just attack it, you know, just come at it. So what they decided to do is surround it and um, starve the people inside. They cut off all access to outsourced resources and they knew eventually inside those thick impenetrable walls people would would eventually run out of food. And they did. It was working and um, the author or the writer talks about how they were even resorting to cannibalism. So they're just waiting Samaria out, and you know, every time there's a, whenever there's a macro story, a big story, there's always a micro story. There's people there. You, a war in the Middle East, uh, an issue in the inner city, something happened across the way, an accident, that, that, that's the big story, but there's always like, there's always people involved. And the writer tells us about four of them, there are four lepers who would come to the edge of the the walls of the city and people would throw scraps of food over and if you know anything about a leper's life they can't go in the city, they're outcasts. they have no way of providing for themselves so they rely on this and yet once the city's being besieged like this there's no more food they're starving inside and so they realize they can't go to the city anymore because they're starving inside and they're they're kind of in a pickle because they can't get food there. They, they talk about, the writer records their thoughts and their conversations about how they could go to the Aramean army, but they're afraid that they'll be killed, which eventually what they say is what do we have to lose? If we just keep doing this, we'll starve. If we get killed by going over there, you know, we were going to die anyway. So that's the best chance that we have. And so, What happens, though, is when they get to the encampment, they've all abandoned it. It looks like a yard sale, like they just all split and dropped everything and ran, which they did because the captain of the army, it's not explained, got in his head like some large army was coming to defend Samaria, so they just bolted out of there. And when When you retreat, you don't haul everything with you. You go, but stay alive today, and they left everything behind, and so these lepers come to surrender themselves and they find all this food and stuff. And in 2 Kings 7 verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. So they're just going from tent to tent going, holy cow. They're gorging themselves on food. They're hiding food. They're hiding money and treasure. And don't, don't miss this. It's like in that one moment, their lives entirely changed. The life of a leper was a desperate life. That they were just trying to make it through this day, not tomorrow. And now they, they not only are gorging themselves for probably the first time in however long they've had leprosy, but they're also like storing it away. They know that tomorrow we're going to eat and tomorrow we'll have money to buy more food. First time in many, many years. I hope that hits you where it hits me when I read that story. And then in verse 9, they said to each other, we're not doing right This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. And so the story is that they they go back and they tell their friends in the city about this great treasure that can be found. You tracking with me? Their lives are immediately changed. And what triggers this, this change in thought to them as they're like hoarding it and like enjoying all that they found? Like what, was it a life of like being without and being an outcast and they had empathy for people? Or maybe they connected with the faces that they knew that maybe some of the people that they knew that would throw food over them have passed on. Maybe they somehow see their emaciated faces or they hear the suffering that goes on in the city. But either way, they can't just... Hog it all for themselves. They have to go back and tell others about it. The question for all of us, whether you go to Sunridge or not, if you're a Christian, are, are we blessed to be blessed? Or are we blessed to be a blessing? That's the ultimate question. When, when you discovered the gospel, for those of you that did it later in life, it's like you found something that totally changed your life in one moment. And you've been experiencing the blessings of that. We how can we just keep all that to ourselves? If you're called to this church, God has a plan for your life. And it's tied to the vision of this church, which is to take personal responsibility for your faith and to go out from this place or your home And be a hope bringer and a love liver. If Sundridge is to be a lighthouse of hope, every one of us has to carry a flashlight. And the brilliance that comes from this church is kind of the conjoined efforts of all of us shining our lights together. Deep in faith. Bring hope. Live love. That's our vision. I hope it's your vision too. Let's pray.